Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. And each week, these two chairs have been up here. Uh, and I got my Mr. Rogers cardigan on. If you were here the first week, you'll remember we t- talked about that. Um, but these chairs have been here to remind us that the best way to navigate with others, the difficult cultural issues of our time, is to pull up a chair alongside each other with humble curiosity and ears to listen, even if we disagree. We want to emphasize presence or being with in our communication face-to-face giving each other honor as creatures that are precious to God. And over these eight weeks together, we've waded into some deep water as we've considered what it means to be the people of God and some of the boiling tensions of our culture. Specifically, we've considered the topics of the church, violence, success, beauty, politics, money, sexuality, and social media. This has not been church-like. If you missed any of these sermons, I encourage you to take a listen online. Our desire throughout this series has been to walk into the minefield of contentious cultural issues and tensions with both truth and tenderness, trusting the Spirit of God to be with us, to gently stir in us as we seek to live under his good reign. And we believe that the Spirit of God has indeed been at work among us, and we are grateful And today is about a bit of recapping, reflecting, resting, and responding. As such, our title for today's message is Pull Up a Chair and Put Your Feet Up. Today is the time to be present with each other, to put our feet up, and to breathe, to rest in the certain reality that God is present with us and adores us. So right now I want to invite you to relax a bit into your chair, take your shoes off if you like, Put your feet up if you can. Just don't poke the person in the chair in front of you if you do. Uh, And just get comfortable. And I want to invite you just to close your eyes for a few minutes. And let's just breathe together. Spirit of God, we acknowledge that you are in this place. That you are at work in us in ways... We recognize, and in ways we haven't even begun to recognize, but we are grateful. We entrust ourselves to you this morning, and we give you permission to move on our hearts and in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this past week has been another difficult one, if you've tuned into the news at all. Uh, as was prayed for, uh, we lost El Dorado County Sheriff's Deputy Brian Ishmael, and he leaves behind a wife and three small children. Thirty-nine people were found dead in a truck container in England, possibly the victims of human trafficking. One high-profile Christian leader verbally attacked another Christian leader. And ugly word grenades continue to be lobbed back and forth in the political arena, just to mention a few things. There's no question that our society continues to boil with tensions and challenges. And this sermon series hasn't been about how to rid our society of all these issues. Our emphasis through these issues has been on who we are as kingdom citizens 
and how we're meant to be in the midst of these issues. For me personally, in this eight-week sermon series, the Spirit of God has further exposed some areas in my character that are still in need of God's transforming work. He's been meddling with me. I don't like to see those parts of myself. They're hard and painful for me to look at, but absolutely necessary that I do. And I am, with his help and some trusted friends. Things like judgment that I had wrapped up neatly as opinion. As a church, we've covered some tough topics these eight weeks. And while the sermon series is over, the values and principles we've talked about are not. Our intention is to keep bringing them up as they are the kingdom ethics by which we are meant to live. And how we as the church live matters because the church matters in our culture. The church belongs in the middle of the social and cultural issues of our time. It has an important role to play. We're not meant to keep our head down and watch from the sidelines because we don't perceive these issues as spiritual matters or we're just swimming against the tide. Being the church in our culture is the kingdom way of demonstrating the goodness of God through an alternative community led by King Jesus. And he outlined the pattern for this way of life in his Sermon on the Mount. See, when we have our identity screwed on straight as kingdom citizens and are secure in our identity in Christ and who he says we are, we can relate to others in and through the goodness of God and in the way of Jesus, which is always the best way. As I was thinking about these things, I was drawn to a passage in Philippians 4, and I want to invite you to turn to it in the Bibles around you. It's on page 1181, if you want to follow along as I read. Again, it's Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, and I want to invite you to stand. Page 1181. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, I believe there are some good reminders here for how to navigate in the tensions of this world and in our culture as God's people. First, we are called to rejoice. Things in this world are broken. Life can be hard. And the same was true for this young fledgling church in Philippi to whom Paul wrote here. Writing from prison, Paul calls the believers to rejoice, not just once, but twice here. And how are they to rejoice, and how are we to rejoice? He says to rejoice in the Lord. When we rejoice in the Lord, we remember that he is the source of our joy and the reason for it. As we rejoice in him, we remember who we are 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, to flourish and to spread the sweet fragrance of him where we work, live, play, shop, and more. We rejoice in him and who he is, and we also rejoice in this, in this very real and certain return. Verse 5 says, The Lord is near. Jesus is coming back. His glorious return for his bride, the church, is imminent. And this is cause for great hope and rejoicing. One day he will return and all of our trials and tribulations will melt away at the sight of his glorious appearing. He will gather up his people to himself. And in the meantime, our role as a church is to provide the world with a glimpse of abundant life under God. Here and now with the glory of eternity and the magnificent return of Jesus Christ ever and always before us. Second, we are called to gentleness. Verse 5 of Philippians 4 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. I know gentleness has been mentioned before in this sermon series, and I think it's worth mentioning again. There are a couple things to notice here. One, it says, let your gentleness. So that indicates that you do indeed have some. After all, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Two, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Not just to the people we like or the people who are like us. Not just to those with whom we agree or we think deserve it. To all. And gentleness is a tough one. The word is often reduced in our minds to weakness or passivity. But Jesus referred to himself as humble and gentle, as recorded in Matthew 11:29. And it doesn't mean that Jesus is light on truth. He is truth. Jesus holds truth in one hand and gentleness and love in the other. And while we might be quick to write off gentleness as weak, gentleness is actually incredibly strong. It is power under control. It takes strength to stay in a place of humility and gentleness instead of seizing opportunities to exert our power or influence on each other. Gentleness seeks the good of the other person. Gentleness seeks to be coming alongside each other. It makes room for us to be together, even in conflict and disagreement, as we emphasize relationship over rules. We are meant to incarnate Jesus and his gentleness in our culture while holding truth in the way of our master and in the spirit of love and reconciliation. Third, the peace of God is with us. While this crazy world of ours throbs with strife, we don't need to be anxious. As we see in the remaining verses in this passage, verses 6 through 9, we can actually find ourselves living in the peace of God with us. Several things are specifically mentioned in this passage as a means to experiencing this peace. And it's a peace that is beyond our understanding. It's a peace that we don't conjure up just in our own strength. Because it's a peace from God of God. First thing we are instructed to do is pray. Bring our requests before him, acknowledging our need of him and turning to him for help. We center our hearts on God and we draw strength from him as we pray and we align our wills with his. Second, it says to focus our mind rightly, paying attention to what our thoughts are focused upon and what we fill our minds with. Do we despair as we look at the culture? Do we feel hopeless? Do we allow our minds to get stuck there? Or do we focus on that which is good? Third, putting into practice what we have learned. 
not just talking about these things, but actually doing them. These habits of our hearts and minds bring us the peace of God. And with these habits and walking in the peace of God, we can walk lightly and joyfully through this life as his kingdom people, even in the hard parts. Because God is with us, and he is good. No matter what happens, our hearts need not be troubled. This past week, Christian artist Toby Mack tragically and suddenly lost his 21-year-old son. In his grief, he shared these beautiful words that I think are a good reminder as we navigate the tensions of this life as God's people. I believe it will be on the screen. My wife and I would want the world to know this. We don't follow God because we have some under-the-table deal with him. Like, we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. And he is beautiful above all things. Would you pray with me? Father, we recognize that in a world that is often ugly, that you are beautiful and that you do all things well and that one day you will make all things right. Help us to respond to this broken world through the abundance of your love and with gentleness and with truth. We recognize, God, that Another sermon is not necessarily what we need, but what we need is to put these things into practice. And we pray that you would empower us to be your hands and feet, to come alongside each other in this broken world, to have ears to listen, to seek to understand, and to point people toward you in the overflow of your love pouring out of us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thought that instead of a 30 to 40 minute sermon uh, this morning, what would be really meaningful is to hear some of the stories about how God has stirred in you. Uh, It's been our joy to see when we planned this series, we had this sense that God was going to be with us through it. And it's been an encouragement to us to hear some of the stories that some of you have shared with us. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite up a couple people who have shared those stories with us to talk a little bit about how God has stirred in them through this series. And then later on, I'll come back up and we're going to have a time of words of the people. Uh, So you can be thinking about uh, what you might want to share and how God has stirred in you throughout this series. So with that, I'm first going to invite up Paul Yin, uh, followed by Brenda Stafford. Hello, I'm Paul. For those of you who have not been following the world news, there's been a big old protest happening in Hong Kong for the past several months. <clears throat> and you can feel the ripple that come across all the way through this side of the world. Like we, can feel, we can feel it in uh, Australia, in uh, uh, Europe, and also in the United States of America. I just read the morning paper, and it talked about Conflicts that are actually happening in UC Davis campus, not that far away from us. 
conflict between uh, students from Hong Kong and, and students from mainland China. So my main concern with this whole thing is how my Christian friends in the United States are reacting to this whole thing. There are two camps of this incident. So one camp is called the, uh, the pro-democracy and the other camp, the pro-government. So the pro-democracy camps, and uh, well, both camps actually have their own narrative to see what's happening, to understand what's really happening in Hong Kong. So the pro-democracy sees it that the Chinese government uh, is manipulating, is controlling the Hong Kong government, and is slowly chipping away the freedom, their, their autonomy. And so they are fighting for their freedom and, uh, and democracy. And the pro-government side sees it completely differently. The pro-government side sees that China is really not that bad. Uh, they are just, what they're, all they're doing is to slowly ease Hong Kong into the sovereignty of, of Beijing. And uh, it's just that a small handful of people, usually young people, who are ignorant and naive, and they are being manipulated by politicians who have their own agenda anyway. And so... Uh, if you, if these people stop making troubles, then we will have our peace uh, and uh, and order. The two sides are have completely different opinions of what's happening. But I find that as polarized as they are, I found three common attitudes on either side. The first is, I'm right about the facts, and you're wrong. Because of number one, number two, I don't need to listen to you. Not only because you are wrong with the facts, you also become morally depraved. And number three, whenever there's a new piece of information and news that comes in that does not fit my narrative to understand this thing, it's fake news. Sounds familiar? That's exactly how we talk about abortion, immigration, uh, racial conflict, uh, gun control, you name it. This thing split churches, split families, ruined friendships. My Christian friends on Facebook had violent exchanges, uh, accusing each other of um, turning justice upside down, challenging each other's Christian faith. If you're a Christian, how could you be saying this? And resulting in unfriending each other, making public announcement, it was really ugly. So, I tried to pull up a chair with both sides. So I went to visit a friend who was on the pro-democracy, and I went to visit a friend who was on the uh, pro-government. And I, and I sat down with him, and I said, I, I would give you that you are completely right. You're 100% right with the facts, okay? Which means that the other side is completely wrong. But giving you that, as a Christian, there's only one thing remaining for you to do. is to figure out a way to reach out to the other side and communicate with the other, the other guy. And to practice love one another. Because that's our calling. We, as Christians, are called to deny ourselves, pick up the cross, our cross, and follow Jesus. 
And in this context, I said, this is it. You feel the pain? If you need to have to figure out how to talk to that guy, it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. But this is it. That's the cross. And do you see where Jesus is heading? In this context, I could see Jesus walking straight towards the guy whom I completely disagree with, who completely offended me. And I could almost see Jesus turning his head around and say, well, are you coming? Am I coming? Are you coming? My message works well with one side, but not so much with the other side. This thing is not over. So, please keep me in your prayer. Hi, my name is Brenda. Let me start with saying a few weeks ago, before the sexuality sermon, Mike asked me to pull up a chair. Ultimately, Mike and I talked and decided that he had enough for his sermon. I was truly relieved. I didn't want to talk. I was chicken. Mike graciously let me off the hook. But God had another plan and wasn't going to let this go. I couldn't stop thinking about what I thought I should have been saying. So in an effort to quiet my mind, I wrote down my thoughts. I grew up in a non-Christian home. We weren't even CEO, Christmas, Easter only attendees. I met Bill, my now husband, when I was 10, and I instantly knew there was something special about him. He, too, was raised in a non-Christian home. I was 19, and he was 22 when we got married. We started thinking about having kids, but we wondered, was there something missing? Maybe that something was God, because the pastor that married us said he would marry us only because we were equally yoked, but our marriage wouldn't last without God in it. My thought at the time was, how incredibly rude. (laughs) So, that missing thing. Now that we found it, we were still talking to friends, and they said, come try our church, Oak Hills. We're still here 28 years later. So, now that we found that missing part, our first daughter, Ashley, was born in 1994, and our second daughter, Emily, in 1996. You give birth. They say, it's a girl. It has all the girl parts. You assume you have a girl. You know what they say when you assume. Bill and I don't feel we did anything different in raising our two children, but I always noticed that while playing as kids, Emily always wanted to be the dad, the brother, or any other male role. It never dawned on me to ask, do you feel like a boy? Once Emily started to choose her own clothes, she never really liked dresses or pink or overly feminine things. Trust me, I tried. They weren't going to fly. So in the back of my mind, I thought, she's just going to be a tomboy. Please just let her be a tomboy. So fast forward to the end of high school and the all-important question of where to go to college. Bill and Emily went on a road trip to Boise, Idaho, and Long Island, New York. Emily chose to go to college in New York. So at the end of the summer of 2014, Bill, Emily, and I left for Hofstra University to drop her off on her college adventure. By all accounts, college life was good. She came home for Christmas and summer breaks. Standard life. On October 10th, 2017, the phone rang. It was Emily. We had a non-meaningful brief conversation and hung up. Just then the phone rang again. Did you forget something? 
Tomorrow's national coming out day and I'm coming out. Oh, you see, I think I always knew that that could be the case. I said, we will love you and support you no matter what. And our lives went on. This was the announcement that came out the next day. For a while, I've been struggling with how I identify, but recently I've become more sure of myself. Especially in the times we live in, I believe it is important to live authentically, to live unapologetically, and to not be afraid to be visible. In an effort to live my best life, I have an announcement to make. I am a queer, transgender person. I use the name Danny, which is short for Daniel. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. I do not expect you to immediately become perfect in using my chosen name and pronouns if this is the first time you're receiving this information. However, I do expect your respect. I do expect your respect. If you have any questions, let's have a discussion. Consider the following. I am not a different person because this is who I have been all along. Have a lovely day. So we fast forward again. We're now attending graduation. We're sitting in front of a family, laughing loudly, having a great time, thinking they're annoying us. One gentleman said, sorry, I'm just the loud gay uncle. I can't be any other way. I said, it was no problem. We then had some more idle conversation in trying to figure out which kid was ours in the sea of cap and gowns. I said, let me try and explain it to you this way. I sent an Emily Alyssa away to college and got back at Daniel Alexander. He immediately teared up and said, I work with middle schoolers, and I can't tell you how many parents disavow their own children when they come out. He was affirming to us that we were supporting our child. But there are the other type of comments. Do you think it was that environment you sent Emily into, into, into New York that caused this? My response is always, absolutely no. This is just how God made Danny. Not everyone will agree with that statement, but we can all still disagree and love one another. Thank you, Paul and Brenda, for sharing with us. There is such a sacredness in sharing stories with each other. And as I mentioned, we want to have a time where uh, we open things up for you to share with us a way that God has stirred in you throughout the series or an invitation that he's given you to pull up a chair alongside someone walking in with love into these difficult places. And so you'll notice that there are three microphone stands on the floor and they are facing the congregation because as uh, you share, we want you to be able to share uh, with the body of Christ how God has stirred. Uh, just a couple of guidelines. Obviously, we don't have all day to be here, which would be lovely, but then we'd have to order in lunch. Um, so if you could just uh, keep it to a minute or two so that we have enough time for uh, plenty of people to share uh, and step up to the mic, make sure that you can be heard. This is just a generous, luxurious time where we want to invite you to push against the voice that's telling you in your head right now, don't get up, you don't want to share that, uh, resist that urge, and just bless the body of Christ with your story, with your testimony. Um, this is what puts legs on what we've been talking about is how we are living these things out in the details of our lives so 
I just want to encourage you now, when it's time for me to wrap up that portion, I'll, uh, I will just get up and um, Jordan will come up for a song. But I um, want to encourage you to come up to any one of these microphones now and just share what God has stirred in you during this time. I've gotten shorter over the years. I've got to do this. Um, hi, my name's Katie, and I started... and I'll be one minute or more. I started 28 years ago with the Staffords. One of the first ministry things we did was on a Saturday night. We brought refreshments and made coffee. Fast forward 28 years later, I stopped going to Oak Hills 14 years ago because I was hurt. It was my fault, my problem, my anger, my bitterness kept me away from this place. When I came to Teresa's funeral, it felt like home. I cried all the way to Auburn, missing Oak Hills. I have looked for churches for 14 years. I love John Ortberg's church, but it's now long distance for me. I'm feeling dizzy. Come here for a sec. <laughs> Too much coffee? And <laughs> not enough water. Um, this is my rock. Um, So I listened to this sermon series while I was working out, trying to get stronger physically and lose weight. And I happened to listen to beauty that Mike was teaching. And Colleen's daughter did such a beautiful testimony that I wrote both Mike and Colleen and thanked them so much and just poured my heart out to them. And their response is what got me back to Oak Hills. Mike said, you'll always be an O'Killian, and they were just fantastic, and so my husband and I came last week. He now started working weekends, so I'm solo, but not really, because I have a group of people that love me and hug me and welcome me back, but I want to thank all you core O'Killians that have been here and not left and have volunteered and so many faces I know, and Lily White, you're still coming late. You crack me up. <laughs> um, some things haven't changed, but I'm back, so you'll see me around, and I'll probably cry again. <laughs> Katie, we heard you were coming, so we just did that for you. My name is Dave, and uh, my wife and I washed up on your shores about the week you started this, pull up a chair, and uh, the Lord had been speaking to me, uh, well, first of all, I'm an old guy, and we don't change real easily, and, uh, you know, I've been set up, kind of set in my ways, i didn't agree, but when you get old and you stretch, sometimes things break. The Lord told me oh, several months ago, he says, you've got to do something about this anger. 
you want to serve me, but your anger is not going to um, accomplish anything for my kingdom. And, you know, I've been upset about the political deal, and it's like, and I go, gosh, why just, do we just not go to church? And uh, so your pull-up a chair has been an incredible blessing to us. And uh, the Lord has been dealing with my anger. And it's funny, whenever, you know, you start to go through those things, sometimes you get angrier. And, and the Lord had to deal with, with me on some of those things. And I'm just so grateful uh, that you guys have taken this path. Because, uh, let me say, we have taken this path. Because, you know what? I'm here, I want to get healed, and I want to be fruitful again. But I just am glad that you had the guts to do this. To guts to say things that are going to make some of us angry and are going to challenge us to deal with our stuff. And I'm just going to end this on on saying, you know, I want a lot of things in my life, uh, again, as I'm going to be 67 in another week. And I'm going, where'd the time go? I still think I'm 25. Um, Older people, you guys know what I'm saying. But I still have that same desire that I had when I first met Jesus. You know what? I want to be like him. And I look and I go, man, i got a long ways to go. But you know what? I am so grateful that he still says, hey, you got to deal with this. And I say, no, I don't want to. And he says, you got to deal with this before you go farther. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, it's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. I want to be like him. I want to be like my king. That has to come first. And uh, we all see things the way we've kind of experiences in our lives and things that make us what we are. But uh, when you stop and take a breath and go, what would I really want to be like him? And his response is not going to be anger. It's going to be gentleness. And it's going to be kindness and mercy and love. And that's what I want for me. And I am just so grateful we're here. Thank you. I found myself smiling as as he referred to older men. And the style and how we get stuck in our own ways. And I mean, at 85, I mentor men like him. (laughs) So that, yeah. But in all seriousness, there's no reason for my getting up here. And it really uh, has caught me by surprise uh, that I would do this. Is that just this week, I was blessed by an email from a dear friend, um, many talents, and she has wonderful spiritual gifts, 
we shared a beautiful experience a couple of years ago in the cultural learning group. And she had sent me an email saying she has a Christian friend of hers who she used to be in her Bible study. And I guess it was completed, and uh, but they're still in friends and conversation. And this person really was deeply concerned about her viewpoints concerning politics and wanted to discuss them with somebody that might have different views than hers. And so my friend who sent me the email said, I, I think you're the kind of person that could pull this off. Would you be willing to do this? And so I met with the two of them. And we met for an hour and a half over coffee at Starbucks. And it was a beautiful experience because we listened to one another. And we knew that the basis for our relationship was that we were brothers and sisters in Christ. We knew that was our first allegiance. We also knew that our view on political issues is not necessarily always right or left. (laughs) And that we listened to one another because we cared. I cared about a woman I'd never met before because of the genuineness of her desire to meet with someone that uh, wouldn't emotionally go over the top, but would gently listen. And I hope maybe that's how I came across. But I just want to share because it fits in what, what we've said, but full of a chair and our differences in many areas. That we need to see one another first as followers of Jesus Christ. Then we can have discussions on issues that may be new to us. We may have never talked on this issue, of which several were brought up over this period of time. We've been blessed by. But here again, even in the extremes of politics, and right now it's pretty turbulent. And it can tear apart churches. It can tear apart families. It can tear apart long friendships if you allow it to. But if you're willing to meet with someone on any subject, this happened to be politics for me, and we have decided, and the the brief little short emails I got back from two of them just touched my heart in terms of saying, I was blessed today. And... I had common feelings about our experience. So, whether it's politics or any of the other subjects that we've talked about here in this challenging uh, series, I hope beyond anything else that we have learned is that no matter what the subject or the discussion comes up, And you recognize quickly, you, whoa, I have a completely different view than they do. Can you handle it by seeing 
Jesus in them first. Or if they're even not Christians, they're not followers of Christ, can you treat them as if Jesus were living in you and you ask yourself, how would he handle it if he were me? And I just wanted to share this because it's sort of one of those serendipity coincidences. It just came up this week out of nowhere. And then you stick a mic up here and ask somebody to say something. And I thought, well, Lord, I guess you wanted me to say something. So God bless all of you and particularly those that I don't agree with. All right. Lorraine's fault for for whatever she said, saying push through. So, um, so if I fall apart, uh, I'm going to just walk off. So, um, uh, putting it simply, I have I've raised four kids, um, and <clears throat> two uh, are gay, which doesn't bother me at this point in time. There was a time it did. But I I look back at at the time my daughter withheld that from me for years. And this is this is a girl that I raised from a baby. <laughs> Gave her all the love a father could give. <laughs> but yet she couldn't tell me what was happening in her life. That so it hurt me more that that she couldn't tell her father than the actual person she was being gay. So um, we've gotten past that. My daughter and her partner, incredible people, adopted two very troubled kids, troubled at birth, And now I get the blessing to be a grandpa and love my daughter unconditionally. So, and then on top of that, I got a gay son too from two different wives, so I'm the common denominator. What do I do with that? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm still blaming on her. I'll take that. Uh, We have time for one more, and then uh, we have a song. So.
So is there one more person that would like to come up and share a push through it? There we go. I'll keep it extra short. Um, I grew up in a pretty critical environment, and uh, as a result, I kind of seemed to have uh, uh, grabbed some of those traits. I wore a shirt that a friend gave me that said, I'm not angry, I'm from Philly. So I was born in Philly. (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's a lot of rationalization. I kind of stopped wearing that shirt, so I was glad to be able to wear it for a costume party last night. Um, but the thing, one of the things, you know, I, I struggle with the, the truth and that part of judgment. That's been a real struggle for me. But one of the things that I've kind of um, come to that I think it uh, has helped me a lot is the realization um, with respect to the political battle in a lot of different ways that um, I'm not accountable. I don't get judged by what my government does. Um, I get judged by what I do. Um, and that thought extends into the idea that... Um, We can't abdicate responsibility for certain things to the government, that it's really up to us. And I think that that, you know, we look at the political conflict, a lot of it comes out of that idea that we think that it's our government's job to be Christian or to do whatever. And it's our job to do that. And so for me, that's been kind of both a struggle and really um, a benefit and an accountability that, you know, I can't give money to the government or expect them to go and take care of people in other places. It's up to me to do it to the people that are in my environment as an individual. And, and I can't abdicate that responsibility. And I also can't abdicate the responsibility for them to share God's word. That that's something that I personally have to do. I, I can't let expect them to you know, push that in any d- different way. That I'm accountable for sharing that message with the people that are around me. And I have to be effective um, living in his word to be able to do that effectively. So thanks for letting me share. invite you just to stay standing for a couple minutes as we finish up our time. Um, Thank you to those of you who have shared with us this morning. And we know that so many more stories are represented in this room. And it's such a beautiful picture of how we um, relate in and through Christ to others as we pull up a chair, especially in our differences. And it's been a journey to travel together as Oak Hills Church as this body of Christ through this series and uh, to attend to the work of what God is doing in each one of us and in our congregation Um, and to pour our love out on this world. And so uh, let's put down our stones. The world doesn't need another stone thrown at them. The world needs shalom. And God wants us, his church, to point people to him who's beautiful above all things. And one glorious day, he will make all things right. May we be found faithful. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful to you for who you are. We are grateful for this world you have made and that you hold in your hands. We are grateful that when we hear the difficulties in the news, the hard parts of our culture, the tension points that are boiling over, that you stand firm and that we can abide in you and experience your joy and your peace. May we be found faithful. May we walk toward each other with courage and care. 
giving dignity to each person that you have made. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the service is over, but we invite you to continue just in your response to the series or to today by taking a step towards someone here. Have a conversation. Perhaps you want to pray with someone that you've seen here or you want to just encourage someone. Take a step toward them and walk. Maybe you want to pick up a stone in the back and bring it up front to one of the crosses or to take some time to pray at one of the crosses. Take a stone home with you. Uh, to remind you of that which you want to keep laying down and surrendering to God with his help. And then join us next Sunday as we begin our new series, uh, Every Step and Arrival. And as has been mentioned, we encourage you to get the devotional book by Eugene Peterson if you want to follow along. And now, if you would, uh, receive this benediction. As you leave today, may you go out in the power and the goodness of God, upheld by his spirit and bringing his shalom with you, Wherever you go, the peace of Christ be with you all. Thank you for coming. There's food in the back. We invite you to stay around.